Well, the Jack Jumpers, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, didn't have many pundits in their corner last night, but they hit back in their playoff series against the New Zealand Breakers, squaring the series at home in Hobart to send it to a third and deciding game. Kane Pittman covers the sport inside and out for ESPN Australia and New Zealand, and he's joined us on the line. Great pleasure to have you on, Kane. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. What did you make of it all on Kane and Copes last night? It would have been uh, plenty of talk about the Jackies. Well, uh, that's right. And your first point was absolutely spot on because I didn't think the Jack Jumpers were going to win either. But the most important thing is that they don't give a stuff if anyone thinks they're not going to win. And in fact, I think that they prefer it that way. Yeah, so it was said that it just wasn't a great matchup for them. And I was struck by game one as well, where they were just choked defensively. I think it was their lowest score for some four months. It might have even been against the Breakers back in October. But they were able to free the shackles last night. Yeah, they were, and it started with a, a lineup change. And I thought this was the most obvious thing that they had to they had to do. They had to bring in some more offensive threats into the starting lineup. So Jack McVay comes in, and so does Sean McDonald. And at least there's two guys that the Breakers have to respect because if you just straight up look at the box score and you watch the game from the weekend, you see that Milton Doyle had no room to move, and the Breakers were all over him. They were able to send multiple bodies to him, mostly because there was other guys on the floor that are not a threat, and they just were not worried. And if you want to pass the ball to some of these guys in the corner and let them shoot open threes, the breakers are happy. They're going to live with that. So I think that getting Milton Doyle some more room to operate was the number one uh, target, number one uh, thing that the Jack Jumpers had to do. And he went from taking nine shots in game one to getting 17 shots in game two, which mm. I think is a, a far better number for him. But just putting the lineups to one side, if you like, Kane, I mean, the, the break is still led by five late in the third quarter. And I, I think, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there watching a thing and they've, they've got them right where they want them here. And then an 11-0 run from the home side, either side of three-quarter time. So there was an, there was an intent there as well. Yeah, there was. There was. And, and well, it, it always is a little bit different when you're, you're battling for your season and mm. you understand that it's win or go home. Uh, they offensively, as I said, they had to score. But I thought defensively, they did a pretty good job on, on the breakers as well, particularly when it came to Will McDowell-White. And if you talk about the intent from the defensive end, they did their best to get the ball out of Will McDowell-White's hands and not let him operate the half-court offense, get into those pick-and-roll scenarios, get downhill, and then either find the big men all the shooters on the outside. So Will McDowell-White had a, had a difficult night. He only had four assists, which is a very, very low number for him, as well as uh, only the eight points. And, and I think that that is what they'll try to replicate again in game three. Will McDowell-White has had an underrated season. He is uh, probably going to be a future boomer. He's, had, he's been sensational. So if they stop him from orchestrating everything, mm. it does help. And offensively, I think the big difference came from beyond the arc, didn't it? So I think they were 11 of 28 Tasmania and uh, New Zealand just six of twenty three. So they they clearly shot the ball well, also. Yeah, they were twenty four for one hundred and four in the four losses against New Zealand this year. That's twenty three percent. That's not going to cut it. And, and look, the other thing is they needed a little bit of luck in this game when you are trying to win against a, a dour New Zealand Breakers defense that has been hard to crack all season. You need a bit of luck. It was an eleven point win in the end, and they got six points from two end of quarter heaves. And, and that adds up. Those shots were probably very low percentage shots in, in, in the grand scheme of things, but they were able to knock them down and they needed those six points because that's two of your three-pointers out of the 11. Always a great crowd down there in, in Hobart, isn't it, Kane? They get right into it, the locals, and they must love. You referenced him earlier, Jack McVeigh, the Energizer Bunny, if you like. He loves it. Oh, I, I am always on Scott Ross and Jack McVeigh watch <laughs> because the in-game stuff, I'm not sure 
whether Scott Ross absolutely loves some of the antics from Jack McVeigh. But I know that I do. I know that the fans do. And that's what gets Jack McVeigh going. So I think, you know, I think Big Scotty has to, you know, he has to just let him go a little bit, perhaps more than he would other players. But there's been some funny interactions through the season. But when he's getting up the crowd, that's when he's at his best. Oh, where does Scott Ross sit in, in, in the coaching fraternity or landscape, Kane. I mean, they appear to be so well coached, Tasmania, and that might sound like an obvious statement, but I love his language. Like, he speaks about defending the island, and he's got some great turns of phrase, and it would appear from the outside looking in that he's got the players eating out of the palm of his hand down there, and there's a great chemistry. Yeah, it's always fascinating to to get the chance to talk to him, because he will tell you that it's his experience that has taught him uh, all these things, whether it's about bringing the community together, bringing uh, good personalities together, not just skilled players. They have to have the right temperament for the locker room to get through an entire season. But he says it wasn't always like this. I mean, he's in his late 50s now. He's been doing this for over two decades. And he looks at some of the younger coaches around the league, whether it's Chase Buford, Adam Ford, and we see they're a little bit more animated. They get, they get the, the emotions can get the better of them at times. And he shrugs his shoulders and says, yeah, that was me two decades ago. Sheesh. So this is the product of, of a long, long time in the business, learning what works, learning what doesn't work. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we all look at this team. I still look at this matchup with New Zealand, and I look at the names on paper, and I say there is no way that New Zealand should lose this series. I thought they should have won last night, uh, but he continuously has this team get to the line. So what if we crystal ball game three, then I imagine you're sticking to your guns. You think New Zealand get it done back on their own floor? Yeah, I, I still think they will. I still think they will. I think they have the, the offensive threats, whether it's a Brantley and Pardon, uh, they can get the job done in the paint. And then I think Will McDowell-White, they'll go back and say, OK, how can we free up Will McDowell-White? How can we get him the ball more? Barry Brown actually had a number of really good opportunities when the breakers were making the, a, a strong comeback late in this game. So, look, uh, can the Jack Jumpers again score in the high 80s into the 90s against the breakers on the road? Based on what we've seen this season, the, the, it would suggest not. But again, as we've said, they, they don't give us stuff what I think, let's be honest. But I, I, think the, I do think the breakers, I, I think they, they'll get through the grand final. They've been the second best team in the league all season long. And I think it would be good if they're there to maybe face the Sydney Kings. We're speaking to ESPN's Kane Pittman. Kane, this is a question without notice, but it comes from a listener via our text uh, machine here. He's asking, why play Cam Glidden for only two minutes? I think, I think he might have even played less than that, maybe 90 seconds on court. Yeah, defensive stuff. Uh, there's been some some concerns with uh, some of the stuff he's doing on the defensive end of the floor, but he's an excellent shooter. So that's why he came into the game very, very late because they're like, okay, we're down 10. What do we need? A couple of quick threes. But I think when it gets to the postseason, we do see those rotations tighten up just a little bit. And Cam Glidden's been uh, sort of pushed out of that for now. But again, if they get to a stage where they really need quick offense, uh, that's when Cam Glidden will come in. Uh, what about the other side of things? Uh, Kings and the Taipans, of course. Cairns, unfortunately, copped some injuries at the worst possible moments. But, gee, they gave as good as they got. And it took something pretty solid from the Kings in the second half and their MVP, Xavier Cooks, to turn it around in game one. So it goes up to Cairns tonight. 7.30 tip-off in this one. Can they um, can they ask the right questions again, Cairns, do you think you can? Yeah, I think we'll see more of the same. I think the blueprint coming into game one was pretty obvious. It was pretty clear what the Cairns Taipans were going to do. They don't score a lot in the paint, particularly against this Sydney team. So they have to go uh, absolutely crazy from the outside. They are going to shoot a whole bunch of threes. More than 50% of their shots came from three-point land, which is is a pretty outrageous percentage. That is well above the league average. But in the first half, at least, it was working for them. And Jonah Antonio was going absolutely nuts. He had six threes and they had the lead. And then once we saw those shots 
uh, start not to fall. That's when the Kings got on top. They can get the rebounds. They can get their transition game going. And the Kings will the Kings will make that bet. They will make that bet that the Kansas Taipans are not going to shoot 40%, 50% from three across the course of four quarters. They'll stick with it. They won't change their defensive uh, adjustments there. They're happy to let the Kansas Taipans shoot those above the break threes and bet that by the end of the game, uh, they'll get on top. I know yourself and Lenard Copeland spent a bit of time last night talking about um, the, the Mavs and obviously Kyrie Irving's first week over there in Dallas and, and Josh Green, who's made a fair impression this NBA season as well. Yeah, he's been awesome. And, and I thought it was pretty definitive. We had uh, Tim McMahon on the show who covers the Mavericks over in the US. And he said, look, right now, Josh Green is the third best player on the Dallas Mavericks. Now, he did say mm. maybe that's not the best thing for the Dallas Mavericks in terms of winning the title this year. Maybe <laughs> they need some further additions because Josh Green is so young. But that just goes to say that the trust that the team has in him and the level that he's got to this season, his defensive stuff is awesome. But now we're starting to see him do a little bit more than just stand in the corner and shoot open threes. He's mm. going to make a lot of money very soon. And Kyrie was obviously a massive talking point uh, during the latest trade window. Yeah, well, at the moment, he's playing basketball. It's going well. The <laughs> Mavericks will be hoping it stays that way because if you've got Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, you're going to feel like you can win any series all the way to the NBA title. They do lack a little bit of depth, there's no doubt, but... Yeah, they'll be crossing their fingers that it's all about the basketball. No, very well said, Kane, and very well delicately put too, I might add. Hey, um, we're loving the NBL playoffs at the moment. Um, um, rap that it's continuing tonight up there in Cairns. We'll see what uh, the Taipans can offer up. Uh, Sydney is certainly going to take some beating. I love your insights this morning, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam.